Today on Frightful Failures on Film, we will be reviewing Sundown the Vampire in Retreat, a 1990 vampire comedy? A action? Certainly not horror. A vampire movie starring David Carradine and Bruce Campbell. So, spray paint your Captain Kirk mask and come on home for the holidays because it's time for... Frightful Failures! <laughs> Thank you once again, everyone, joining us for the Frightful Failures on Film podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Zach Romero, and joining me is the only man who thought Dario Argento was a goddamn pasta dish, Tien Guignol. Tien? I swear to God, I ordered him at Olive Garden once. Well, that your first mistake was not just going with soup, salad, and breadsticks, because that's the greatest deal you're ever going to find. Or the breadstick sandwich, <laughs> which is truly an abomination in the eyes of God and man. Um, so this week... <laughs> what is a breadstick sandwich? You never heard of the breadstick sandwich? Oh my God, yeah, no. They made like a little hoagie uh, that had, I don't even know what, probably like meatballs in it or something like that. But the bread was literally just a giant breadstick that they cut in half. It was like this just ungodly, wow. carby mess. That they were just like, yeah, That's whatever. A, it was the Olive Garden equivalent uh, of the KFC Famous Bowl. They were just like, fuck it, oh, people fuck want this. fuck you. I was going to make a KFC joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, so good. Although, not no 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 joking around, I genuinely, I'm not one of those people that, we're not ones to just make up bits for this show. We're not, we're not that hokey. Uh, I g- genuinely had at least three double downs in my life. I've eaten them successfully. Oh, yeah. Not at the same time, oh, thank absolutely. God. There was like six month like spaces in between because my heart couldn't handle it. But uh, <laughs> but I genuinely, I've genuinely eaten I a will, double down before, non ironically. I will I will absolutely still go to KFC to this day and, and get a famous bowl. This is not a joke at all. They are pretty goddamn delicious. So uh, so <laughs> other than supersize me, the other film that we will be talking about this week is, yeah, a very bizarre 1990s vampire comedy, as as we were kind of trying to figure out in the beginning. Sundown, The Vampire in Retreat. Uh, now, Tien, I was the one who picked this particular film, so blame you me. Were. So blame me. I, I, I do. I, oh, don't, don't worry. I, I do, buddy. Um, but here's the thing that's kind of a little bit weird about this movie. First off... Um, Nobody's really sure when this movie came out because if you go on IMDb, it says this movie was made in '89, which I believe it was, and I think that it wasn't released until '91. Which uh, so I've been like trying to figure out like when was this movie made, and I think indeed it really did take two years to release this film. I don't know why. I mean, maybe because they they couldn't figure out anybody that was willing to to back it or release it or put their name on it and say yeah yeah we're producing this. I mean, I guess Asylum didn't exist back then. I don't know. Right. Um, well, the other thing is, so it was made in 89. Uh, it didn't hit America until 1990. It didn't hit several other markets until 91. And some places didn't even get it till 96. So... My God. Yeah, well, for whatever reason... It's worth they the just, <laughs> It aged like a fine wine, really. Um, it does. Now, uh, I, I never thought I'd say this on this show, but I just want to say, um, Apple, you really fucked me this week. Because <laughs> I try to get this movie. Uh, first of all, Zach really likes mo- picking movies that I have to pay for. That's the first thing. You know, I'm already yeah. losing money on this show, but he likes well, to hey, really pick movies okay. I have to pay for. Hold on, hold on. First oh, of all, okay. you're the asshole who picks the movies that are on Netflix, which means I'm paying 10 bucks a month just to be able to watch this hot garbage. So let's oh, not what? just you say that. Like, had, uh, this is the one reason you had Netflix is this show. That you wouldn't have it otherwise. This, you're not going to watch. You're, you're not watching Fuller House. Are you joking me? <laughs> no, uh, first of all, I'm not. It's it's these crappy movies and binge watching Frasier. Okay, those are the two things I'm using Netflix for. Now, how dare you all suggest right. otherwise? All right, all right. Well, well. Either way, so uh, I go on Apple, and uh, first thing I do is you tell me, well, hey, I, I bought this thing on YouTube. I say, fine. So I go on YouTube, and apparently Apple's got some kind of policy where because they're Apple and you have to give all your money to them and not to anybody else, you can't buy movies through YouTube through an iOS device. 
So I'm already like, well, fuck. Uh, so, so I go and I say, fine, Apple, you know what? You won. This tactic, you won. I go on the iTunes store. I find this movie, Sundown, The Vampire's Treat, or whatever it's called. Um, and <laughs> I'm ready to pay $4 to Apple. And it makes me wait not once, but twice to try and rent it and then doesn't do anything. I press the rent button. The circle spins around for, I shit you not, 20 minutes. And then it's just this rent again like there's no option so i finally just had to go and pirate the thing because uh, nobody would let me give me their money so fine fine you fucked me apple you fucked me (laughs) apple was just trying to protect you that's all they just didn't want you to see this movie (sighs) so uh where should we start with this thing (sighs) can i tell you uh i think this movie never had a chance if that makes sense and not because it's particularly awful. In fact, it was pretty middle of the road. I enjoyed it. Um, didn't love it, but definitely didn't hate it. And I think the reason why this thing just did not have a chance is it's just really goddamn weird. It is a very weird movie. It, it, it kind of reminded me of like Transylvania 65000 of like, it seemed like they had the location scouted and then they were like, let's just put a movie here somewhere. We'll, we'll figure it out. Because it's like, it's a vampire movie, but it's also like, oddly kind of like a metaphor for racism, almost. Because it's like, they're second, secondary citizens, almost. And they're trying to, yeah. like, like exist peacefully with humans. And it's also a western... And it's kind and of. I was saying I was saving some of my best jokes for for the end here, but uh, I feel like just with the KFC thing, you're going to step in and make me sound like an asshole. Probably. So I, I guess I'll just use my best jokes now about this movie. But uh, this movie, to me, uh, because you're exactly right, it's it's a, such a weird mix of things. This movie, to me, felt like the production of the film is kind of like when younger siblings are being forced to play together. And so the boy says, "Well, I want to play army man." And the girl says, "Well, I want to play princess." And so they play army princess. And that's this movie that the director stepped forward and says, all right, guys, we've got our cast here. Our composer has already started working on Western music. We've got the set. We've got all the props, all the guns. We're making a Western. And the director's little brother comes up and says, well, I want to play vampire movie. And the director doesn't want him telling mom, so he agrees, and they make vampire Western movie. And that's this movie, really. That's a very that's a very accurate, that's probably, in fact, let's update the IMDb with that information, because that's probably what happened. Uh, the movie starts with David Harrison, I think his name is, and his family, his wife, his two kids. One of the kids is really weirdly into vampires, and it doesn't really play a part in the movie at all. Like, they kind of set it up, like, oh, she's gonna know, like, the rules of vampires, if you know what I'm saying. Like, she's gonna know, this little, like, eight-year-old girl is gonna know how to whoop somebody's ass if they're a vampire, and that literally never comes into play. It's, it's just like, oh, she keeps saying vampires are real. That was the reason why they set that up, which I thought was weird. But anyway, so uh, it's a family. They're going to this uh, town called Purgatory out in the middle of the desert um, because they have a, um, a blood plant uh, there where they're looking to make like a synthetic replacement for blood um, for, for medical purposes, I guess, for so that they don't have to worry about like the blood mobiles. I guess attendance at the blood mobiles were at an all-time low in the early 90s. So they were like, well, instead of guilting people into coming and giving blood, we'll just make something synthetic instead. I guess that was the logic. And, and to comment on, on both of these things here, first off with the little girl, you're right, and we say this every single show, but it's because any movie we watch that's from the late 80s or early 90s, it seems like they were just trying to fucking rip off Fright Night. Yeah. Like, they just are like, okay, well, we have to have a character who's really in a horror, but they usually have that be, like, the protagonist, or have it be the, like, teenager, not some little girl, because it's meant to be like, oh, well, we relate to you, you nerdy horror nerds, <laughs> um, and not have, like, oh, this little eight-year-old girl she likes what you like you fucking idiot it's usually like feel good it's usually like oh yeah this fucking virgin is right that is how you kill a vampire not like oh she just crapped in her pants because she's eight but also she knows how to that you got to go with the garlic first before the beheading like what the hell like it was a very odd choice in my opinion yeah um so anyway and and then yeah the blood the the blood yeah 
Yeah, well, the blood bank thing, you guys are, are, are sitting there going, well, well, that sounds like true blood. Um, and here's the thing. Obviously, yeah, that is uh, exactly it. And I'm not huge. I'm not into true blood, so I don't know. I believe it's based on a book, uh, but I don't think the book came out before this movie. I just no. can't imagine a world where someone watched Sundown, the vampire in retreat, and went, oh, wow. Like, I better make, like, a series of, about this. Right, a very so, sexy uh, series about this. But what I thought was interesting is they established that so the the vampires that live in purgatory because the whole town is is vampires everybody everybody who lives in the town is a vampire and so in this little western town and so they've got this blood bank and the problem is they've got the synthetic formula down enough but it doesn't taste great so everyone's pissed off about it and so and it they looks bring like in, vomit so yeah it looks I like mean, this I don't, weird I don't chunky them. milky vomit and so the uh, which I enjoyed the part they talk they like show like everyday life at the factory and there's like vampires sitting at the cafeteria like drinking the the synthetic blood that looks like milk. How can you drink that stuff cold, James? It's not even the right color. What's the color got to do with it? It tastes real. Like what the hell does that have to do with the taste of it? Like color doesn't mean anything. Like, I don't know why does it serve cold. Um, I also thought it was interesting that every vampire, I guess the idea is when you're, when you become a vampire, you don't update your wardrobe from when you were alive because everyone's dressed in these weird, uh, <laughs> like, uh, they're all trying to be Voltaire, the goth singer. Like they're all dressed in like weird, <laughs> like elaborate outfits and hats and, and interesting sunglasses. Um, so I guess that was the thing, was like you dress however you were when you were alive. Well, they don't say it explicitly, but then it's like, well, then why the hell is everyone dressed I, like this? I don't know that they cared. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know that the... I, I think they just probably sent them to a Goodwill and said, well, you're playing a vampire. Go buy your own costume. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what it comes across as, because it's just like, oh, everyone's just dressed like a goddamn mess. Um, although yeah. I will say, so um, this family's going to make the trip to... Purgatory because the dad is a great scientist and it's his formula that they're doing the synthetic blood with, but they're not doing it quite right, so he's going to come in and tweak it and make it work. And so we get our first introduction to Purgatory, and it's three country bumpkins on a swing together, um, and they look like they're all just um, ZZ Top's younger siblings. They're just like three beardy guys in overalls sitting on a swing, and they're all wearing badass 80s sunglasses. And the one guy, Merle or whatever his name is, had like the Macho Man sunglasses on, and so I was thoroughly distracted by that through the whole movie. <laughs> like I kept waiting for him to just be Vampire Macho Man, and he wasn't, and that I thought was the greatest missed opportunity. Put justifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in, but the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. If that was on your movie. mind the whole movie? I mean, that um, character's only in ten minutes of it. Really, every time I saw him. Every time I saw him, because he always had him like tucked in his pocket if it was night, and I was like, "God damn, Macho Man sunglasses!" Um, but anyways, and so we haven't really means- explained here, but the, but the reason for all the sunglasses and the hats is that in this movie, vampires have adapted to daylight, so they have this like ridiculous like SPF thirty thousand that they put on their skin and wear these huge giant old lady sun hats or sombreros and and you know gloves and everything. So they've adapted to sunlight. In their words, sunlight is merely uncomfortable for them now. Right. Although they they are still weak to it, but yeah, they just have kind of learned to live with it. With you know sunblock, so uh, this fucking obnoxious like okay, so even though he's only in the movie for like ten seconds, the guy in the jeep in the beginning of the movie yeah. was amazing. This guy comes rolling through the desert in a jeep going like a hundred miles an hour, and he's trying to do. I'm not even exaggerating. He's try. This is the most eighties thing I've ever like legit eighties. Not like oh, I'm wearing bright colors, but like the this is the kind of asshole everybody was in the eighties. This guy is blowing through the desert at hundred miles an hour in an open jeep, and he's struggling to do cocaine while he's driving the jeep in the desert. Like he's like it's like spilling all over the place. He's like God damn it, and he's like trying to snort it while driving hundred miles and just going woo every once in a while as he's driving through the desert. And I was like, can I just see this guy's movie? Can I just see? the movie about him instead. (laughs) 
this fucking <laughs> yeah, idiot. The movie should have been just the lead up to him arriving there in Purgatory. Yeah. And so he goes to the gas station and he's being obnoxious and being a dick. And so, yeah, Macho Man Sunglasses guy gets up, throws on some sunscreen, puts on a, a comedically large sombrero, and then runs out to start filling up the, the car because it's a service station. It's not just a, a regular gas station. And uh, he asks the coked out Jeep driver if he is the scientist guy, if he's coming in to help with the blood bank. Hey, Gramps. <laughs> What's with the sunbonnet? You can't take the sun? Now ain't that something? <laughs> Old fart can't take the sun. He lives in the damn desert. <laughs> Your name wouldn't be David Harrison, would it? Tom Pryor. The name on the road to fame. Ain't that a shame? Macho Man just backhands the guy's head off. Like, he literally just bitch slaps him, and the guy's head just falls clean off his body. And then that's the introduction of, like, oh, they're vampires, and they're, they're super-powered. And... Yeah. And, and aside from that scene, the rest of the intro is, is kind of painfully slow, because, you know, we've walked in this movie saying, oh, well, uh, David Carradine... Uh, famed autoerotic asphyxiator and Bruce okay. Campbell are both I, in this movie. All right, you didn't have to. The man, the man had a legacy other than weird jerk off techniques. Okay, like you didn't have to jump right to that. Um, right, fine, but yes, no. It seems like a power team of Carradine and Bruce Campbell. Like this should be amazing. But they don't appear. I mean, uh, you don't see Bruce Campbell till twenty minutes in the movie. Carradine forty minutes. This yeah. character's introduced 40 minutes in this goddamn movie, so it's, uh, strap in. Yeah, it was very, very odd. Um, so, yeah, and, and honestly, uh, the movie is somewhat bloodless after this. Like, there's some gunshot wounds and things like that, but this is really the most gruesome uh, death they do, is this bitch slap, knock the head off thing. Yeah, slapping the head off of a mannequin that vaguely looks like that actor. <laughs> So, <laughs> with, with a similar outfit on. So, uh, so we meet some other characters um, that are kind of vital to the story prior to Bruce Campbell and, and Carradine, which is that we meet after the Harrisons. There's kind of a hint that um, Mrs. Harrison, the scientist's wife, uh, has had an affair with another scientist that's currently working on the project here. Keep in mind, they're completely oblivious that this is Vampire Town. Um, uh, this is this is Halloween Town, basically. Um, but that they are kind of hinting towards that, and like, oh, isn't that going to be awkward for you to work next to him? Like, yeah, it is going to be awkward. Thank you for that. Um, and so his name's Shane, and he's basically introduced as kind of, well, he's a huge asshole, but he's introduced <laughs> that, that he's essentially a, a rebel. Um, against this whole idea of, hey, um, fuck living with humans, basically. Right. <laughs> so. And so, yeah, the whole idea is, it's this really, there's this faction brewing within Purgatory of these vampires who just don't want to be um, peaceful anymore. They want to go back to the old ways of just being assholes and just biting people. And so there's this weird old guy who kind of looks like a preacher, but he's not. But again, that just might be a goodwill thing that, like, that was just the costume they found. And so he's kind of recruiting uh, lowlifes and degenerates to be part of his crew. And they're going to uh, wage war on Purgatory. And I don't even really get what the plan is. The plan, I guess, was to just sort of strong-arm them into joining them. But, like, they're just sort of, I guess I guess they're, they just aren't very confident in their plan. Because they're like, well, we better get uh, the ammunition ready. Because nobody's going to join us and we're going to end up having to kill everybody. And, and they um, don't really end up... Because they figure yeah, out... Yeah, they don't end up, like, uh, you're right. They don't talk about, like, what specifically was their plan other than just waging full-on wars with everybody that doesn't agree with them. Um, but the fact that the one of the rebel leaders is working and developing the synthetic blood... Did it say, was he specifically trying to make it taste bad, and, and that's kind of how he was getting people on his side, or... No, just, just I guess, just, we couldn't have thought that through, because that would have been very interesting if he was, like, sabotaging the project to help get... But when he's giving, he gives, like, a soliloquy towards the end of the movie, and it's just sort of like, he just sort of fell into things, and he was like, this kind of sucks... And I wanted to bang this chick again, so what's the problem? So one thing I will give this movie credit for, though, is they come up with this concept of, well, how do you kill a vampire most effectively? And they come up with these uh, wood-tipped 
bullets, which I don't know how that would work exactly with the whole gunpowder and a tiny explosion to get the bullet out of the chamber with wood. I feel like it would just splinter before it even comes out. But nevertheless, in the logic of the movie, they make wood-tipped bullets, and that's how they kill everybody officially. They just shoot them in the chest, and they're like, all right, you're dead now. And so I thought that was actually kind of interesting. Um... But it was clearly setting up for, like, okay, there has to be a big fight, because otherwise this movie's going to be ten minutes, because <laughs> just creep in every window and just blast somebody in the chest, and be like, all right, the town's dead. Um, but anyway, so, we, so we're so we learning all this information, and uh, little by little, and half the plot of the movie is this entire town is vampires, and they're trying not to tell the scientist guy, the guy who brings his family along. Um, David, they're trying not to let them know. Hey, by the way, we're vampires, and that's what we need you to do—the blood, the blood factory thing. Um, so that's half of it. Then we are introduced to Bruce Campbell's character. You have a a tow truck around here? I my car broke down, and uh, I've been walking all night. Sorry to hear it. We ain't got no tow truck. Uh, you have a phone? This ain't your day, son. Ah, I'm looking for a town called uh, <clears throat> Purgatory. Who is uh, Weird Al Yankovic Van Helsing. And so he comes to town because he's got a personal vendetta against one of the members of the vampire community. And so that's what he's going to do. He's going to come in and he's going to whoop some ass. Um, but I'm not exaggerating when he's being Weird Al. He's got this weird mustache, the goofy glasses, and he's just very awkward and not confident in himself. Um the whole movie. The thing is, is that most people uh, who know Bruce Campbell say, oh, well, you know, you got to put Bruce Campbell as Mr. Smooth Dick. You know, he's got to be the ladies' man in, in the movie. But that's not the case, that Bruce plays bumbling and awkward so well yeah. that people forget that, like, one of the things that made Bruce Campbell get into movie making is Three Stooges. So he does that so extremely well, physical comedy and, and just, like, awkward and... Blah, blah, blah. And so that is exactly what he is, and that's the main reason that this movie is is a saving grace is Bruce Campbell being a, an idiot essentially. Yeah, just go- just being a goof ass through this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because if you look up the, the 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 cover of the DVD now, it's like this badass Photoshop photo of Bruce Campbell and David Carradine, and it's not really accurate at all because Bruce Campbell's not a badass in this movie at all. In <laughs> fact, not. I don't think he even successfully kills anybody in this. Like he's a sort of he like does. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he's on the cover holding an enormous crossbow that is not in the movie and a, and a giant stake, and he kills precisely zero vampires in this movie. Yeah. So. Um, the other great thing is that right around this time, we see we start to see some of the secret bat meetings that are happening between the rebel forces as they'll kind of meet up as bats, which and still have the same facial hair, and just talk about like, all right, so is the plan which, so on? Which that was, can I just say how adorable that was, by the way? Like, just this, <laughs> hey, here's the leader bat, and he's got this bushy white beard as a bat. I was like, that's precious. Like, please, yes, continue that. Although, I don't know why there was such a, like... I feel like it was back to the the theory that this was made but just like a series of siblings that like the special effects sibling was like oh I really kicked ass on this bat special effect like you're gonna love this stop motion thing they're like okay great and they just sort of banked on it and then eventually when it came time like all right let's see what you got they were like oh this looks fucking terrible like they just left it in though because it's really yeah, weird they like they feelings right they dedicate a lot of the movie to that like oh hey here's them transforming and here's this and that and here's them flying and it never looks good in this whole movie like it just looks it yeah, looks it is, really really bad <laughs> it is roughly the quality of the claymation from the seventh void of sinbad yeah exactly like, right around and, that and that's what we're going on i was like really that's what we wanted to fucking <laughs> i just imagine that that sibling who worked on them like bringing those bats home or like or him trying to like give them to the crew like here's your gift and they're like i don't fucking want this <laughs> or like imagine like you go to planet hollywood and you didn't make a reservation and so you show up late looking for a table so you're not gonna get sat next to the t-800 or han solo's blaster or herbie the love bug no no you're gonna be sitting next to the clay bats from fucking sundown, sundown the vampire in retreat and you're like oh god i'll just get it to go then fuck this um yeah that was very strange that they kind of dedicated so much of the movie to that particular side but anyway so um yeah so bruce campbell he's van helsing he gets kind of he meets up with this kind of um 
Not really, she's trying to be a bombshell, but she really isn't, this blonde lady. Well, this is uh, certainly an odd place to meet. I had to get you out of purgatory. Really? Hi, I'm Sandy White. My name's Robert Van Hill. Van what? Robert Van Hill. That's it. Who uh, is like immediately smitten with Bruce Campbell, which how could you not with his Freddie Mercury mustache? How could you not be smitten with I mean, Bruce come Campbell? Come on, come on. And uh, so they're like kind of having this like all will they won't they love triangle kind of thing. But he figures out she's a vampire. No! No! Too late. I wasn't gonna bite you. I promise. I just needed to kiss to kiss a man again. That's a likely story. And so he's like, oh, once a bloodsucker, always a bloodsucker. And so uh, he hates all vampires, and he goes in the town, and he's going to track down David Carradine, and because David Carradine's like the head vampire guy of the good guys. So he's going to kill David Carradine because his great-great-grandfather got killed. And uh, so then, then, okay, so... You said the saving grace is Bruce Campbell. The saving grace of the saving grace is Bruce Campbell makes this big dramatic entrance and he's going to kill David Carradine. And meanwhile, uh, one of the little girls of uh, David Harrison, the scientist guy, is having very vivid dreams about the upcoming vampire war that's going to happen. So David Carradine's like, oh shit, okay. So we got to prep ourselves because this little girl who's pooping her pampers right now says that vampires are going to come try to fuck us up. So Bruce Campbell drops in, literally, and he's going to kill David Carradine. And then they're like, uh-oh, what's going to happen here? And then Blonde Lady bites Bruce Campbell. You'll have to kill me before I stop hunting you down like a filthy fang. And I think that was the best performance that was in the movie. Oh, absolutely. Honestly. Oh, it 100% was. And that's exactly what I mean when I say that Bruce is, is built to do slapstick, is, is that scene right there, if you need any more proof in the world. And uh, it's clear that the director really wanted to do some slapsticky stuff, because there's the scene where um, they meet David Carradine's character because they, like, Scooby-Doo style, like, pull a book on a bookshelf and it, like, opens up in their house. And the right. two little girls go down there and they see this tomb. And these are child actors, keep in mind, these, like, seven-year-olds. And they have them try and do a bit where they're like, all right, now you're going to see him start to come out, and you're going to, like, stutter and go, it's a monster. Quit! Stop being such a coward. It's a good day. What did the director say? Like, all right, now, do you know Lou Costello? Because that's right. kind of what I want Are you to you go familiar? for here. Yeah, yeah, it was really awkward. Like, don't try to force the show. Like, they should have just had Bruce just do the, the ADR for it. Like, he should have just recorded the voiceover and uh, and just put it over top of the kids. Because, yeah, the kids are awful in that scene. Like, because they don't know. Like, you're exactly right. Yeah. They just don't get it. They don't get the reference. They don't get the, the, the what you're trying to put together. It's just a matter of, like, they're just doing... Like, they're literally... They re they remember the line, ma 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 Like, that's what they're saying. They have no clue what you're actually trying to reference. So, yeah, yeah it was like... It's not entirely their fault, but it's one of those cases where it's like, you maybe should have just wrapped it up again. You know what? This is just not going to work out like we wanted to. So, you had mentioned a little bit of how uh, you thought that there was kind of a, the political undertone to this movie. Can you speak on that a little bit more? Because I'm, I'm interested to talk about that. Yeah, so the movie sort of builds up this idea that the it's it's almost uh, well, especially with Bruce Campbell's character. Bruce Campbell is if if you're going to consider vampire a race, he's very racist because he's like, no, you know, no vampire is a good vampire, and none of them can be trusted, and so he sort of had these prejudices coming in because his grandfather apparently got killed by one, so he's prejudiced against vampires going in, and so they're trying to. David Carradine and his kind of crew of vampires is 
under the philosophy of we can live peacefully with humans, and that's why we need the synthetic blood, because then we don't have to worry about it anymore. We can just live off that, and we can all be okay, and obviously we can live in the sun as long as we've got sunblock. And then uh, douchey Shane, who wants to bang David's wife, and old man you know, Smithers have decided, no, that's not who we are, that's not our people, we should be uh, warriors, and we should just kill people whenever we want. Um, and so it's this weird kind of class struggle, which I thought was interesting. But just like everything else, just like, um, you know, the, the girl who loves vampires, just like, you know, Bruce Campbell not actually killing anybody, there's a lot of elements to this movie that it's like, you could have made a whole movie about that, and they just never explore it. They're just kind of like, that's a thing, and then we just move on to something else. Yeah, uh, it varies. It, it ends up being, in terms of, like, the class aspect of it, though, that a lot of the more, like, rednecky sort of vampires end up joining this rebellion. They're all on horses and in pickup trucks. So it looks really like, right. you know, uh, Birth of the Nation sort of like, oh, God. We're here to set you free. Free, do you hear me? This is the only place you've been free, Jefferson. You call this freedom? You've got two choices. Join us. Or die. All right, you bottle suckers. Are you with us or not? Jefferson's right. This ain't no life for a vampire. You, you, you can almost hear them shouting like, Oh, it, this ain't right. You know, my, my vampire Bible says that marriage is between one vampire and another, another vampire. vampire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they even the other thing, too, is they play up that Bruce, before uh, the lady, Sammy, I think her name is, before she bites Bruce Campbell, David Carradine's like, Oh... We have a situation here where a vampire is in love with a human. And I thought that was going to be part of it, too. Like, they were literally going to be like, oh, that's not right. That's not how it's supposed to be. Like, But no, then it's like, just kidding. He's a vampire now. It doesn't matter. Um, which, again, I thought they were going to play that up. Like, I thought it was going to be a situation where that was going to be part of it. It was like, oh, they're going to have to figure out how to live together because, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're different species. But no, it was just like, nah, just kidding. Bruce Campbell's a vampire now, too. It doesn't matter. And I was like, oh, okay, well... That's that's great then, I guess. Um, so, yeah, then we finally have this big standoff. And so a lot of the town's people are getting killed because of the wood bullet things. And then, as Tien says, some of the redneck guys join up with the bad guys. And we kind of have this weird... This is the funniest part of the whole movie because, uh, as Zach was talking about, like this goes back to the, the siblings who made this movie, obviously. Um, because they had clearly had set up, like, okay, so we bought... A large amount of guns for this movie but we're staging a vampire battle so what what are we going to do well wooden bullets obviously like uh wooden, wooden bullets who cares and that's just the, so they just say that you know the wooden bullets doesn't make really make sense yeah. as Zach said like probably would you know blow up in the gun and not really work but uh, it's as if they had staged this whole western shootout and instead of doing like okay well we our bats look terrible our our CGI bats so we can't use those uh, we don't really know how to do anything else of a vampire battle. Like, we can't, we don't have the budget to stage these guys, like, leaping 50 feet at each other or, you know, flying up in the air or anything. So, I guess let's just do a standard, like, gunfight. I guess let's just go with that. Yeah, exactly. It was like they didn't, they, they wanted to make Blade, but they couldn't figure out the, the wires and the special effects. So, like, ah, if I could just put cowboys, that's fine. Um, and, it, and it's as if... So, they, they, yeah, they, there's they, this big standoff. Yeah, it's, it's as if, like... It, even wanting to make Blade, they go, okay, we're definitely making Blade. And so they show them in the cave, like, transforming into, like, full-on, yes! like, Buffy vampires. Oh, my God! Yeah, that was the biggest letdown of the movie! Like, <laughs> Old Man this, Smithers like, comes in yeah. and makes this big screech, and then all the, all the Lost Boys wake up, and they're like, yeah! And then they're, like, really in-depth, impressive makeup effects. Like, they we're really going with, like, they're looking like bat-humans now. Like, they're really putting this together. And so... And then, like, yeah, one stands on top of this, like, pile of rocks, full dude in a bat-suit mode. Like, there's giant wings, and there's fur, and they're like, Arr! and you're like, oh, shit's about to get real. Like, they're gonna... This is gonna get crazy. And it's all for the crappy stop-motion bats. That's what they all turn into. Like, it's all this elaborate makeup and, like, oh, my God, they're, like, these horrible abominations just to turn into, oh, they're bats, but they look like they're made out of poop. And then they, <laughs> like, the awkward, they're like, flying out of the cave. And I was like, that 
that's what we were building towards? That's what all this makeup was for? Was for, oh, hey, yeah, we're just going to... One scene the in the cave, just yeah. a, Mom said we had to. Mom said we had to use the bats again. So now that's why that's what they're all turning into. So so they get there and this big battle starts. And then what about, what did you think of the umbrella through the chest kill? Oh my god, yeah, it's another one of those, like, Abbott and Costello or Three Stooges moments where yeah. they're just like, alright, so, uh, you know, we're gonna arm our leading lady with an umbrella, she pierces through the guy, and then opens up the umbrella on the outside of him and just kind of sprays blood out from it. And it's just, oh no, you know, and he might as well just have done like, like put his finger up to his lips and go, and just fallen down, you know. Now, here's the thing. I'm sad that, like, I guess that killed him, I guess. Yeah. Like, because I it pierced so. the heart. But, uh, but I guess that, that's kind of what they were suggesting. Cause he's never, he's not in the movie after that. The guy who gets poked, he never, he doesn't come back. I think it shouldn't have killed him. And I think that he should have had the rest of the movie with the goddamn umbrella open through him. Like, he should have been, like, riding on the horse with the umbrella, like, flapping around behind him. Like, he should have been, like, cornering Bruce Campbell, big umbrella flapping behind him. Like, that should have been, I think, a running gag. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah. They clearly, I mean, uh, once again, stylistically, I think that an even younger brother, younger than the one who said vampire movie, was the one who said, well, Looney Tunes. And so they do that with gags like that umbrella gag. And also another one where there's an old man that kind of cornered one of the older man vampires and he goes, oh, I'm out of tricks. And then he turns around and busts through the wall. But um, not even bust well through the wall. An, an like, impression of him. Yeah, like he busts through the wall face first, which I thought was very interesting. <laughs> like he didn't like Hulk smash the wall. Like he just sort of boofed it with his face and that was not, that was it. Like that was absolutely like, and then the girl's like, the trick old man. I'm like, no, it wasn't. He literally just walked through a prop wall. So anyway, so yeah, there's this big, there's big battle going on, and Shane the creep uh, is gonna rape uh, David's wife, I guess. And so, um, and I'm not sure which if you before you this, go, but, but Shane that he believes that uh, one of those daughters belongs to him. Oh, which yes, and here's the payoff for that. There is none. Yeah, because there is none. And also, just, if, he, if no. he believes that one of these girls is his daughter, why did he appear naked in front of them? That was weird. And and to go back to what I said, you know, before anybody listening says, whoa, Zach, dropping the hard R word on, on what he's trying to do. Like, maybe he's just trying to seduce her. No, no, earlier in the film, the wife literally uses the phrase, The wife was nearly raped by a bat while you sat downstairs working. So the the R word is definitely in play here. That's 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 definitely what he's trying to do. Which, and then uh, uh, I mean, I, I, they they can't even set up the main scientist as uh, Mister Doctor Harrison as any kind of a protagonist because he's completely nonplussed by anything having to do with his family. Really, like he his daughters are kidnapped at one point, and he uh, like the David Carradine just says, "Oh yeah, we were talking about her dreams," and he's just like, "Oh okay." And, like, that's just enough reason for him. And then while he's sitting there, like, eating breakfast, reading the newspaper, she's like, yeah, I was almost raped last night. And he's like, yep, got it, honey. And then just goes to work. So, really, not a great protagonist in terms of being a real lovable fatherly figure. Yeah, our hero our hero who couldn't really be bothered is basically what it is. Um, so, so t- let's talk about when Shane finally gets killed. So, uh, Shane is, is trying to seduce... David's wife. Well, I couldn't get you when I was human. You still wanted that half to bake to wiener, David. But now, now there's nothing you can do to stop me. And basically tells this whole story, uh, his backstory of, oh yeah, I was a dick in college to your guy, and we dated once, and then you dumped me for David, and then... We, like, cheated on him at one point, but not for very long, and that's why I think one of the daughters is mine, and I hate David, and you're going to be my vampire bride. And he's not nearly as cool as John Saxton was about it, so fuck him. And then David comes in and tries to, like, be slightly bothered by it and and, and fight this guy, and immediately is about to get killed. Shane's, like, going to strangle the shit out of him. And then uh, he grabs the holy water that Bruce Campbell had 
and dumps it on Shane and then blasts the shit out of him. Which I think that was a perfect opportunity for another Abbott and Costello bit. Like, I feel like he should have, like, David just should have kept grabbing things out of his pocket that didn't help him. Like, he should have just kept grabbing in it. It was, like, lint, and he's like, fuck! And then he's like, goes back, and it's, like, bottle caps. He's like, God, come on! And then it's, like, car keys. He's like, I'm literally gonna die! Like, what is the problem here? And then, like, just... And then finally, finally, like, grab the bottle. Oh, thank God. Sprays it on him. It's cologne. Fucking come on! And then finds all the water. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right, great. And then dumps it on him. Like, that, I think, would have been awesome if he just keeps reaching and finding more crap that is useless to him. Like... Someone's got, like, a rubber stake, and he hits him with it. He's like, come on! Yeah. One, and then, yeah, one, then the wife hands him the gun, and he blasts him away. One of the better Vampire Deaths in the movie, which I was slightly confused about how he was able to uh, uh, pour holy... First of all, on the back of his neck, which was just a, a very weird place. You've got this holy water, and uh, maybe an average person in the situation might just try and just full-on thrust it into the attacker's face. Right. And he, like, reaches around him like a lover and gently pours <laughs> it on the back of his neck. <laughs> Um, and then somehow I guess that also manages to like slice his neck open, right? He's like spewing vampire yeah, blood. Yeah, it all like over uh, it like ate through it like acid, which I thought was actually kind of an interesting idea because yeah. usually it's like you get the burn and they become like Harvey Dent, like like ah bird, but like that like ate through his neck skin like butter, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> um, so that again. Another concept. Wow, what an interesting idea. Just kidding, we're never going to go back to it. Like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's it then. Yeah, they definitely play uh, with interesting, like, uh, what, uh, how do these certain classical uh, vampire weapons affect these vampires? And the best way that that is shown is by now the climax of the movie, which is a full-on standoff. Um, with the rebels, the remaining rebels that have come and sort of cornered Bruce Campbell and David Carradine, and uh, the head, I'm a priest, but not really, like old white bearded guy, Mm -hmm. says, all right, well, I've been a a vampire as as long as you, uh, Marky Lard, (laughs) which, um, in case uh, you guys were wondering, Marky Lard, just just think about that name a little bit, Marky Lard, because you'll sure get a surprise in just a few minutes here with a name like fucking Marky Lard. So they have a full-on uh, Western duel, which obviously this is something they wanted to do from the very beginning before they even figured out it was going to be a vampire movie. This right. movie ends with a with a draw, and um, so uh, David Carradine shoots him, and then establishes, "Hey, by the way, Markillard." Uh, switch around those uh, fucking letters a little bit. It's Dracula, bitch. I'm Dracula, but I added an M in for some reason. So uh, he pulled a Tom Riddle on us. He's been Dracula the whole time. And he establishes, well, I'm the greatest vampire of all time, but he's out of bullets. So the remaining rebels are about to kill him when all of a sudden uh, the two remaining humans that have been kind of helping them out prop up an enormous cross on front of the building that they're staying in front of. And this is great because you usually assume a cross is just an object that a vampire can't really look upon, can't touch, can't really be close to. But this giant cross being easily 50 feet away from this group of vampires causes them all to light on fire and explode. Yeah, it goes full-blown dust till dawn on these sons of bitches. Like, they go burst into flames and I was like, holy shit! And, but for some reason, David Carradine, Bruce Campbell, the blonde chick, and Macho Man don't get set on fire by it. They're all equally offended by it, but they don't get set on fire. And they're like, wait, what the? So the bad guys are vanquished, and then David Carradine spins around with a tear literally in his eye and says, <laughs> We have been forgiven. At last. We've finally been forgiven. And again, much like everything else in this movie, you go, well, wait a minute, what what, what does that mean? Like, how are we going to explain... Nope, just kidding, now it's time for end credits. So, there was like a weird religious subtext to it, that God exists in this universe, and vampires were unholy children. And for whatever reason, I guess because they were cool in this movie, uh, David Carradine and Blonde Lady and Bruce Campbell and Macho Man are okay, and they can still continue being vampires, and they can look in party with crosses now and not have to worry about it making them burst into flames so again another concept interesting on its own not explored in any capacity in this movie Bruce Campbell uh 
there was an interview I saw that he did specifically. About the, I guess if you uh, you did buy the DVD for this movie, but I guess if you were to ask for special features on it, usually they'll have the actors come in and say, "Yeah, it was a lot of fun to you know make this movie." Blah blah. Like, here's a story about my experience filming this movie. Bruce Campbell sits down for the interview. He goes, "I was so poor that I did not read the script for this movie, and that's why I did it." So I was trying to raise money for Man with a Screaming Brain, and that's why I did this movie. I just want to put that on the table right now, guys. Just <laughs> completely just shits on the movie and the special features for it. Like, yeah, if you own this DVD, you're an idiot. Yeah, well, thanks, Bruce Campbell. I'll have him <laughs> sign it next time he's at Spooky Empire. I'll be like, hey, guess what? Sign this, you piece of shit. <laughs> um, but anyway, so overall, so Tian, what did you think of this movie overall? Well, um, I have to quote the uh, iTunes description of this movie for my overall thoughts, which is um, the first sentence of it. Bruce Campbell co-stars with David Carradine, and I believe it also says famed autoerotic asphyxiator here. Don't! Um, <laughs> what well, He had a legacy, man. Why do you in, have to... In a terrifying uh. tale of bloodthirsty horror. Now, Zach... I have to ask, did you see any bloodthirsty horror in this movie? No. I okay. saw a lot of claymation bats that look like shit. Yeah, I saw some claymation bats. I saw some Abbott and Costello physical comedy. Uh, no bloodthirsty horror. And uh, everywhere that lists this movie listed as a horror film, which a uh, horror film it ain't. Um, that's well, I guess said, technically, say, I guess technically, because it's dealing with vampires, I guess that's where they're getting it from. But yeah, no, not at all. Sure. Um, so if you were to call this a vampire western comedy, I would say it, it's not half bad. Um, especially Bruce Campbell just hamming it up uh, in his prime. Bruce Campbell hamming it up. I believe he filmed this even before he filmed Army of Darkness, and so just just mm-hmm. living it up. Um, I mean, there's a part at the end where. David Carradine says, hey. <laughs> My fucking God. Uh, David Carradine says, hey. You, are you, you're even laughing at it before you even say it. Like, that's how <laughs> because... stupid this is. <laughs> no, David Carradine says that we get to live a new life and hopefully what we've done here isn't in vain. And Bruce Campbell almost shits himself <laughs> laughing at that line because in vain, vampires... Biting veins, like, and here's the thing. Honest to God, I think he makes David Carradine laugh for real in it because the scene drags on for like six minutes of Bruce Campbell like howling with laughter at this stupid, not even fully developed pun, and David Carradine at the end finally laughs. So I think Bruce Campbell made him laugh honestly because nobody else laughs. Nobody else laughs but Bruce, and then at the end, David Carradine giggles because it's the stupidest fucking thing. <laughs> And the fact that you're still giggling about it now just proves like how just ridiculous it was. Oh, it's great! It's it's uh, superb. I would put it up there with Warehouse, honestly. God, uh, I hate both of them. I really <laughs> do. Um, so yeah, honestly, as, as much as we've pooped all over this movie for an hour, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't. It's not particularly memorable, unfortunately. It's not so awful that it's like, oh God, I'm gonna need to drink myself into a stupor and forget about this. But it's it's not some. Uh, some forgotten gem that's like, oh, it's better than Evil Dead. Like, No, it's just sort of in the middle. It's got a lot of interesting concepts that it doesn't really explore. Uh, Bruce Campbell's great. David Carradine is very good. Um, some of the concepts and kills are somewhat interesting. Uh, Macho Man sunglasses are awesome. But other than that, it's very forgettable. And I think that's ultimately... But like I said at the very beginning, I don't know that this movie ever really had a shot because they're trying too many things... At once. It's like, oh, it's a cowboy movie. Oh, it's a vampire movie. Oh, it's a comedy. Oh, it's a love story. It's like they're just trying way too many things. If they had focused on maybe one or two, I think that that would have been a much different situation. I think they would have found that they could have really had a shot at making this a kind of cult classic, but because it's all over the goddamn place, I just feel like it just didn't have it just didn't have the chance. You gotta wonder though what uh, people who were in charge of movies like uh, Daybreakers or you know like uh, True Blood, and uh, you gotta wonder if they really did watch this movie though and go, oh my god, well this is terrible, but well, it's a kind of an interesting concept they're playing with here with the whole you know society of vampires running off synthetic blood. I wonder if we can roll with something like that because Daybreakers, like True Blood, very similar concept. And, and not that any of them ever just work out. If you're going to tell that story, it's going to involve vampires rebelling against it. And it's like, this sucks. It tastes gross. I want to kill humans again. 
And in that sense, uh, I, I do wonder, like, if uh, the guy who did Daybreakers saw this and said, oh, well, you know, let me make that, but good. Definitely ripping that off. True Blood and Daybreakers definitely ripped this movie off. That's what we learned. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm a little worried here, I gotta admit, Zach, because uh, you're right. This movie isn't terrible, and... Uh, does that kind of, you know, uh, might uh, piss somebody off? Um, well, well, I, well, in my defense, you know, it's a Bruce Campbell movie made in the early 90s that wasn't done by Sam Raimi. I, th- I felt like I had a pretty good shot that this was going to be either terrible or, or amazing. So, I mean, this was an honest mistake yeah. on my part. I wasn't doing this purposely to try, you know, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to stay within okay. the confine of the rules here. It was a simple mistake is what All I'm right. saying. All right. Well, well. Hopefully, he'll accept that. <laughs> but, but maybe, maybe because of all this, maybe I should take over for picking the movie next week. <sighs> yeah. Sure. Sure. If that's anyway, what you feel so. best. Then that's fine. And I'll be yes. sure to punch myself in the nutsack when we're watching whatever awful thing you're going to find next. So. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it'll hopefully be pretty terrible. I'm yeah, hoping. Hopefully, that's yeah, the only show where hopefully it's pretty terrible. Hopefully, we'll want to kill ourselves when we're watching it. <sighs> Well, uh, is there anything else you want to add about this movie or anything else you want to throw in here this week, pal? Uh, no. I mean, honestly, like we said before, you can track this down on uh, YouTube or iTunes or any other place that's going to charge you $2 too much don't for it. Don't give iTunes your money for this movie, all right? They don't want it, clearly. <laughs> that's true. Um, but then other than that, uh, yeah, you can find it online or pirate it like Tien did. And then, uh, so see, tell us what, tell us what you think. Feel free to watch it, uh, comment, subscribe, let us know, uh, message us on Twitter, agree if the uh, the ending joke is worth it or not, or if uh, Bruce Campbell was more uh, Weird Al Yankovic or, or uh, Freddie Mercury, you know, and feel free to, uh, to share your opinions on it or ask us how big them hogs. Yes, please. We're happy to answer that for the thousandth time for all of our crazed female fans right. out there and some male fans. until we do an faq for the time being we'll just answer it you know individually yeah so uh so yeah as zach said please uh you can find us on twitter at fright failures and instagram at frightful failures as well as uh email us at frightful failures at yahoo.com to get a hold of us there if you would like we're always looking for your recommendations your feedback we'd love to hear from you um and also check out uh isn't there a new episode of final 30 going up pretty soon there pal Yes, there should be. Uh, the actual ones that, uh, this one is based off one that we had to watch on this particular show, uh, Brain Twisters, the final 30 of that one should be up here uh, in the near future. That'll be good. That'll be good, definitely. And you can find that at... Raspberry uh, Ripple. YouTube.com slash Horrible Horrors New. Correct, correct. Ra- Raspberry Ripple. That'll be up there. And, Raspberry uh, Ripple. Uh, that's my goal, by the way. I want to find that actor, have him as a guest on our show. That's my goal oh, for, this, please. for the show. He's probably 80 right now, and he's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, I, I fucking hated that. No, come on, you were great. You were great. <laughs> Raspberry <laughs> Ripple. Oh, well, excellent. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us this week. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you all for listening once again to Frightful Failures on Film. I am one of your co-hosts, Zach Romero. And I am Tian Guignol. Thank you for listening, and once again... Continue circulating the tapes. The past is the past. We have begun a new life tonight. Let us hope it is not in vain. (laughs) (laughs) In vain! (laughs) I kind of like it! Let's Let's go go home. home. Let's go. Get the car. Quick, 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 quick. Bye! With the... With the... See, we're vampires! <laughs> we got this! <laughs> 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 <laughs>